I said you were a bright child Never anything but joy behind your eyes No sign of all they talk about Spreading like volcanic dust over your blue skies Now you're looking for an answer With your rod set in, set up the landslide But it only makes you worse now You're like a puzzle to be worked out And it's the voices that song, I knew we were going to play it, had to play it uh, for this service. And uh, Luis came to me today, his voice is struggling, he goes, man, do I need to pull it off? I'm like, sing it in the first service, lose your voice, the second service loses out, right? You guys are here early, you had to hear that, right? Nice job. Um, I don't know if you identify with that song at all. 
the sense that everybody else has some stuff figured out in life, but not you. And the stuff rustles around in your mind. And I love the pictures that they use, the broken link, a missing part, a punctured wheel, all these things about us limping through life. Like I'm getting through it, I'm barely making through it. And I, and I want to talk about this because some of you will identify with this, but most of us won't. And I think the truth is most of us should, and we just don't identify it. We say instead, I'm fine. We're in a series called I'm fine. We've been looking at a lot of things that we say I'm fine too. And we've talked about the reasons why people say I'm fine. The thing that we're going to talk about today, I would say the vast majority of the time when somebody looks at you and says I'm fine and this is going on in their lives, it's because they actually believe they are. I am fine. I think it's normal. I think what I'm going through is okay. It's no big deal. And so um, my job somehow this morning is to lead you into a conversation about something that most of us think we're fine with. So I want to do that um, by starting with a process that's supposed to be happening in all of our lives. This is what, this is what God says. This is going to happen if you decide to follow me. Now, if that hasn't been a decision that you've made, then what we're going to talk about could be what happens in your life. This could be the process that unfolds. But I want you to see this. Paul's writing to a group, a, a little church in Roman territory, and he says, listen, um, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, somebody who's chosen to follow after Jesus, wants his values, his ways, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. This is supposed to be a really stark comparison. Something that's old, it's kind of out of date, it's, it's not good for you. And then this new thing that comes along. And the question is, when you decide to follow Jesus, what's new? You didn't get a new name. Some people in the scriptures did. You didn't get new circumstances. You didn't get a new body. What is new for you? Uh, to help kind of explain maybe what's new, we're going to go over here. I don't know. Um, I'm old enough that I remember a whole series of commercials a long time ago where Pepsi did this whole taste test thing with Coke because they were apparently winning a national taste test. And so they'd show people drinking two things, and then they'd say, ah, this is the one I like. And they were like, it's Pepsi. They only showed those. I don't know how many chose Coke or not. But let's say I decided to invite somebody up here to do a taste test. And I imagine if I asked them to like, taste this, there would be a couple questions. One, what is it? And I would say something like, listen, it's not going to kill you. It's water with some stuff in it, but it'll be just fine. But I, all I want to know, all I want, you don't have to drink the whole thing down. I just want you to take a sip, and then I want you to tell me if it's the best thing that you've drank on this table, what would be your first question? Is that my only choice? Why, yes. I'm wanting this test to go really well. So I'm giving you one option. By the way, this is exactly what happens with our life. 
When we look at God and say, I'm going to do it my way, mankind did this. We looked at God and said, I want my values, my way. I want to do it when I want it, how I want it, the way I want it. And when that happened, we got one choice, our way. And it's felt like a choice our whole lifetime. We think we're getting to do whatever we want. But the choice that we've had is our way. And we keep doing it our way. And the question is, is that working really well for you? Just kind of doing it the way you want to do it. And what happens is Jesus comes along and he says, listen, you've messed up a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing you can do to fix it, but I'm going to take that away from you. And I'm going to open up an opportunity for the two of us to be together again. And when that happens, you're going to have a second choice. You could drink this your way, or you could drink some Gatorade. I know some of you are like, I don't like blue Gatorade. How many of you are in here like, don't like blue Gatorade? All right, imagine a different color and get over it, okay? But the Gatorade that you love, right, is right there, and you could have that instead. And for the first time, you've got an actual choice. You can pick one of these, you can do it your way, or you finally have the opportunity to do it God's way. You have an opportunity to say, your will, your way of thinking, your values, they're finally open to me because I've started a relationship, a connection with you, God, and all of a sudden, this becomes new. What you had before was no choice at all. And now you have a choice. The scriptures actually um, talk about what changes as God comes into your life in this way. Paul's talking to the same group of people in the book before this. And in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says this to them. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? See, when I say, Jesus, I, I want to accept this gift that you offered for me, God's spirit comes and dwells with me. And that process starts to result in choices that I've never had before. I start wondering about the kind of life that I'm leading and the kind of values that I have. And so I start evaluating all of that stuff. And God wants it to be a process that's all-encompassing. He wants it to be the stuff that you do. He wants it to touch the stuff that you say. He wants it to impact the way you think. Paul's writing to a different church about this same process, this thing that unfolds in our lives. And he says this in Romans chapter 2, verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the question is, if you're a new creature, why do you need to be renewed? See, if we can get to the bottom of that this morning, then we'll actually be getting somewhere because I think this plays out in our lives all the time. This, this desire for God to see something renewed in us 
But too often we've looked at it and thought, I'm fine. So, so let's just talk about how this unfolds. I decide I can't do this on my own. I've not done a good job. God, I want you. I'm going to accept what Jesus did for me. I'm going to ask him to come to this. I want to adopt his values. And God's spirit comes alongside you. And when you wake up, he's there. And when you go to do your chores, he's there. And when you go to school, when you go to work, God is with you. And in the process of that, the spirit will nudge your heart at times. Why did you say that? Why did you do that? Why was that choice okay for you? And God uses that to convict you. And it happens quite often with the stuff that's really easy for us to see. Like we do things that are out there, others give us feedback, and we know, oh man, I'm making some choices that aren't really good right now. God's kind of convicting me on this. I think I'm going to make a, a change. And so you start to alter and change that kind of stuff. But what happens? What happens if the thing that God wants to change has been something that you've had at the core of who you are for a long time, your thoughts, these ideas that have started. And they started out, out of sight and out of sound of anybody. You didn't get feedback from people as you started to think those things, as you started to get comfortable with those thoughts. And the thoughts that you have eventually become beliefs that you hold. And now... You believe and think that way because you think it's right. Who holds a belief that they think is wrong? And yet God wants to visit these thoughts, these things that we've considered about our lives. They start, they seem to start in really small ways. Often when we're younger, they get planted. Maybe it's a family value that um, you grew up with. It's normal to you. You've just thought this is the way it works. And you've never stopped to ask, is this healthy? Is this good? Is this right? Is this something that God cares about? Some of these ideas, these thoughts, get planted by God's enemies. He accuses you of a failure in your life and then labels you that failure. And you accept that. And you start to think, this is who I am. And nobody challenges that. Because it's just a quiet thought in your head. Or it could be that somebody provided some defining words into your life. They said, this is who I think you are. This is what I think you are. It could be a parent, but it could have been a coach. It could have been a friend. It could have been a teacher. It could have been a stranger for all you know. But you remembered those words. And they still reverberate in your mind. And as you've thought about it, you've, you've decided they were right about you. And it's defined how you've lived and how you've thought. Some of them come from experiences. You went through an experience in life that was so marring, so jarring, that it's redefined the way you look at the world and even look at yourself. And all of it happened in the quiet of your mind. And not once, not once did you stop and ask yourself, Am I conforming right now in my mind to the values of my family or to what God says is right? Not once did you stop and ask, are those defining words true about me or not? Not once. 
did we stop and wonder, is this an accurate picture of who God says I am or not? You know, it's actually even worse than this. See, what happens is as we begin to take these stories, these ideas, these beliefs into our lives, what we do is we start to actually look at the whole world through that view. So it's, it's, it's wrong, but it's there. It's right in our eyes, and we evaluate the whole world through it. And so we step into experiences in our life with the wrong view, and then we evaluate the stuff that's happening with the wrong view. We come to the conclusion that reinforces that view, that causes us to think, I'm even more right. And now I have all of these experiences that tell me I'm right. We'll look at somebody and say, I'm fine when we're not. Because I think this happens to all of us, God's obviously concerned about transforming our minds. So I think this, this plays out in all of our lives. I've seen this up close and personal in a couple different ways. Uh, one that I can, I can tell you about um, happened with my wife. Um, I don't, we, we had kind of agreed at, when we were younger that we would make whatever sacrifices we had to for her to be able to stay home with the kids, and we did that. And we said, at a certain point, you'll start working again. And when we got to that point, I thought it would be a really good idea for um, Tracy to find something that she could do that would be worth her time and would give her a sense of purpose. And so we started talking about her going back to college. And the words that came out of her mouth were these. I'm not smart. Listen, um, if you've met my wife, uh, you'll very quickly find out that there's two things that she is. She's brilliant, right? Um, well, she talks a lot, that's true. <laughs> That was not one of the things that you needed to know, but everybody already knew that, right? And she's a hard worker. My, all of our kids are hard workers. They got that from both of us who are motivated like that. And so if she would have looked at me and said, hey, school's going to be hard, but I'm a hard worker. I can do this. I would have said, yeah, you would have been fine. But listen, she said, I'm not smart, and it took years, and I'm not exaggerating right now. It took years of us having conversations for her to get to a place where she thought she would even have the ability to go back to school. And I was so frustrated because I heard my wife talking to herself in a way that God Almighty would never talk to her. But if you would have asked her, she would have said, I'm fine. Where did that come from? Someplace long ago. An idea got started in her mind. And then she viewed the world through that idea and then reinforced that idea till she got to a place where she could say and believe it, I'm not smart. Uh, for me, it was different. I, um, I tend to think about things a lot, and so I've thought about this uh, quite a bit over the course of my life, and I can actually think back to the moment where this kicked off for me. I, I mean, 
I'm in a field. I, I, I see the whole picture. I don't remember very much from my youth. I remember that moment. I, uh, I grew up in a Christian youth camp. Many of you know that. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me. It's why I'm here doing this right now. But it was also a very legalistic kind of system. And as I got older, I realized that was not the kind of Christianity that I wanted to identify with and be a part of. And so I started to push away from that. But I was, my parents lived there. We were still involved. And um, what happened is we ran into some big conflicts with people who were in charge who didn't like that I wasn't towing the line anymore. And they started exerting control over people I loved and threatening them if I didn't get in line. And I remember developing this belief. People in authority are corrupt. Right? And I'm standing, I remember it vividly. Um, Tracy was in my life at the time. She's standing next to me trying to calm me down. I'm across the field. The the people that I'm in a conflict with are staying way across the other field and they're staring me down, right? And I'm like, I'm in. So I just stepped forward and I did the same thing they were doing, right? And from that point on, I want to tell you, I started seeing all authority in that light. I would poke them in the eye just to do it, right? Just to rub them wrong, and walk away feeling vindicated. I was vindicated in the way I felt angry about everything that had to do with somebody who was in authority. And the light only went off in my head when I was sitting talking to a friend one day and I was explaining a situation that happened and he was like, well, didn't that happen over here too? And I walked away from that conversation and I realized that I had this same experience across a diversity of things that I had done with multitudes of different people and I had come to the same conclusion on all of them and the light went off in my head. The only common denominator in all of this is me. And I pushed back from that and I was like, do I have something wrong here? And as I took that to God, God says, listen, you might not like it. But I created authority for a reason and a purpose. And if you can't find a way to work with what I've created, you're going to have problems for the rest of your life. This was not what you were made for. Is this what you want to do? And for the first time in my life, I had a choice. I had a choice. What was I going to do with that? Which raises the question, how do, you, how do you address something in your life that you think is normal? How do you even find it? Well, here, here's what I would tell you. I could, I could use a couple illustrations just for my life and my wife's life. Um, there's probably somebody in your life who's looked at you at some point and said, what's coming out of your mouth right now isn't accurate. And... And you've probably brushed them aside. They don't know what they're talking about. I have more experience with this. I've thought through this longer than they have. I have, more, I have a lens that gives me evidence. I know what I'm talking about. God had placed me in my wife's life to look at her and say, 
those words are not true. And until you face the truth, you won't do this. And finally she did, and she went back to school, and she did really well. She would be in classes that she would be struggling in, and she would say, look, there's evidence that I'm not smart. And I would say, no, that's evidence that this is a weed-out class. You're getting a B. Who cares? Right? Who cares? Get a B and move on with your life. But don't go back to that thought. Don't go back to that thought that I have to be perfect in order for me to be smart. And so there were voices that partnered with God to say the truth. And I, I bet there are voices that are happening in your life. Another way that you can find them is if you keep having the same experience across a broad diversity of people. Every boss is this way, or most of them. Every experience is this way. Every church is this way. Every organization I go to is this way. Every friend is this way. You might be the common denominator, and you might have a belief that got planted in your life at some point that isn't accurate, and you've got to drag that before God and say, what's true? What's real here? See, um, another way that I think um, I've found some of these things in my life is to spend time in the scriptures because God is trying to communicate what is true, what's right, what's good with you. And when you see stuff in there that doesn't reflect the way that you're living, doesn't reflect the value that you have, it's a signal that somewhere along the line you've made some choices based on what you thought was right, what you thought was true. And it's led you down a path that's not getting where you where you really want to go. This stuff can start with friends. It can start with parents. It can start with God's enemies. It can start wherever. But eventually what happens is it becomes the thing that you foster in your own life. They become a thought that gets hidden from everybody that grows into something. I want to put some of them on a screen that as I've um, been a pastor for a while and I've talked to lots of people, I've heard these things that are not true come out of so many people's mouths. I'm not worth much to anyone. Happiness is for everyone but me. I always get the short end of respect, love, or understanding. I'm stupid. I'm alone because there's something wrong with me. I deserved all of this hardship in my life. People don't support me or care about me. I'm ugly. I can't do better, so I should just settle. I don't need anyone's help. I'm good on my own. And these beliefs, they grow inside of us out of the light of anybody being able to give you any feedback about what's true, often away from where God would say, you're being conformed by something that's of this world. It's not of me. This is not how I view you. This is not how I think about this. But here's the thing. This stuff will start to bleed out. And it's often as it bleeds out is when you'll start to, when you'll start to get wind of it. You'll say something to your close friends about the way you, way you see the world and they'll be able to comment about it. Or you'll start to act based on these beliefs. You'll make choices 
based on these beliefs. And when you start to see them, you've got to start to address them. It'll bleed out. I didn't, I didn't understand this until later in life, but it'll bleed out in the stuff that you complain and gossip about. Why? Why do I think that? Because I think there's a belief that you have in place that you see the world in a certain way, and then you're talking about that world in a certain way, in a way that God would never talk about it. But you think it's okay because you think it's true. And nobody ever stops and asks, I wonder if there's a belief that's coloring the way you've seen the world that you live in. And this stuff shapes us. It messes with our lives in a big way. And God comes to you and says, listen, what I had in mind for you, because I love you, because I care about you, is that you would be transformed, every part of you. That includes conforming to the way I think. I'm going to set what's right. I want to tell you how to think. I want to tell you what's accurate and what's true. I want you to see the payoff that exists for this. It's the second part of verse 2 in Romans chapter 12. He says this, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, you can't do what God wants you to do if your mind hasn't been transformed. If it's been conformed by all of these other things, your belief is set on what's wrong. And it's taking you in directions that aren't helpful. And you miss out on what God had in mind for your life in the first place. But you allow God to start transforming the way you think, shaping the way you think into how he sees you, into what he values, then all of a sudden, his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will becomes available for you. Choices that you have never had before. A new creature with a new life. Are there voices in your head that need to be addressed? I'm, I'm going to end this morning just by asking you to uh, bow your head, and I'm going to give you just 30 seconds of silence. And I'm, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit right now, if he needs to say something to you, I hope that you're listening. And if he reveals a thought, an idea that you've been carrying buried deep inside you that's not been helpful for your life, I'm going to ask him to reveal that to you. And I hope you'll have the courage to acknowledge that revelation, and to talk with somebody about it after this service. Man, I think I might have this thing that needs to be addressed in my life. So 30 seconds, if you would, just quiet. God, there is such a deep love that you have for us. You've looked at our lives that are 
around a single choice and you wanted more for us. You wanted real choices. And so Jesus came. And as part of that process, we were to be transformed, new, different. And one of the places that just kind of gets avoided, gets missed in this transformation process is our thoughts because we just think we're right. We just think we have the right view. We're thinking correctly about this. But God, I ask that you would step into people's hearts. And if they heard from you this morning, they would have the courage to admit, I've got to address this. This is not right. And I ask that they would come to you, get the truth, start the transformation process so that they can, they can follow a God who's got a pleasing, good, perfect will for them. We're not fine. I ask you to give us the courage to admit it and to bring our thoughts to you. In Jesus' name, amen.